This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Scott Howe, the CEO of Live Ramp Holdings, is a marketing savant. Scott remembers great campaigns from his childhood, but one in particular has always stuck out with him, the Staples Easy Button. The clever campaign made Scott long for an easy button-like functionality when it came to aggregating data, which he believes is the key to success in the marketing industry. On Marketing Trends, Scott discusses exactly what he means by that, and he explains his passion for the industry and why the loss of cookies is a chance for marketers to reinvent the wheel. Enjoy this episode. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends. And today we are joined by special guest, Scott, what's going on? Hey, Ian, thanks so much for having me on the show. Yeah, excited to chat to you today. So we are going to be talking about all the things going on at LiveRamp, and uh, we're going to dig into your background a little bit. So first, how did you get interested in marketing? Oh, uh, it's a it's a serendipitous story. I, I'd like to say that I'm one of those people that has had my entire life planned out, and I'm not. Uh, I was working at a company called the Boston Consulting Group. And BCG had a reputation amongst the strategy consulting firms of being really kind of geeky, analytical. And I found myself staffed on a case for for Qantas Airlines. And I rebuilt their root profitability system, their yield management system around how to price uh, airfares and how they would configure uh, their various airline flights. how they would think about profitability of those flights. What that exposed me to was the realization that there was a huge explosion, and this is the mid nineties of data. And companies that understood the data would make better decisions and have better outcomes. Those that didn't would not. Armed with that insight, I started to think, where else would there be a lot of data? And the answer was this small, tiny thing called the internet, and in particular, internet marketing. Uh, So I kind of stumbled into it because my first love was data. Uh, And then I realized marketing was a world where data was the currency, data was the fuel. Uh, And there was a huge opportunity in the internet at the time that I could uh, go see, uh, I could go learn about. Yeah, that's such an interesting um, kind of like framing of of what happened because it was inherently a uh, a field where the lack of data was uh, was maybe the bigger story there for a long time, right? Um, it was about you know focus groups and trying to figure out make sense of the chaos, you know, find the data uh, that that wasn't you know readily accessible, and then all of a sudden it transitioned to a world where now there is the abundance of data. There's so much data that it's unstructured, and so much data that you know you have to figure out ways to capture it, and all of that. It's it's quite a quite a heel turn to uh, <laughs> to borrow a phrase. Oh, Ian, you are absolutely right on that. What's the one quote we've all heard that, that 
famous cliche in marketing. It's the Wanamaker quote. I know that half my advertising spend is wasted. I just don't know which half. And from the 1990s, I, I joined this company called Aquaniv. Uh, and Aquaniv had Avenue A Razorfish, uh, which became the largest digital agency. It had uh, an ad server that competed with DoubleClick called Atlas. Uh, it had a performance ad network that I had started that eventually became the Microsoft Media Network. But our tagline across all of those companies was know what works. Because for the first time in the marketing world, you could apply data and determine, was someone actually seeing your message? And once they saw it, what were they doing? Did they go to the website and find more information? Did they go to a store and buy? Uh, and, and so it turned that Wanamaker wisdom on its head because all of a sudden, the answer was there. Uh, the science of marketing was born. It started to transform marketing from an art to really a science that was underpinned by data. Data became the fuel it really has been the fuel over the last 20 years that has driven marketing. So flash forward to today. Um, tell me a little bit for our listeners who don't know uh, about LiveRamp and, and what it means to be CEO. Sure. Uh, LiveRamp is a software as a service company. Uh, we are the leading data connectivity platform. What that means is we are infrastructure for data. Anybody who wants to ingest data or activate their data in any destination can utilize LiveRamp. Um, we essentially are an easy button to make data available, um, to make data safe to use, to make data usable at the destinations and experiences that matter with consumers. We were the category creator, we are the market share leader, and we work with virtually every company that you've ever heard of, all six of the largest agency holding companies, hundreds of brands that you would know well, uh, many of the world's largest content providers or publishers, and virtually all of the enterprise software companies all of whom are trying to do interesting things with their data uh, and activate it at the places that matter. And specifically for marketers, um, you know, what types of, of CMOs and marketing leaders are you talking to? Are you working with? How are they thinking about data? Well, there's not a company on the planet that isn't thinking about data. Uh, it has really become the fuel that makes marketing work, as I mentioned earlier. They are often, most, most major companies are trying to develop trusted relationships with their customers, learn about what their customers like, don't like, how they want to receive information. Uh, and, and as they collect those preferences, it typically is collected in the form of a customer CRM system. That's their data. It's consented permission-based data for a company on its consumers. We help those companies, again, many of the world's largest marketers utilize that authenticated data at a point of sale, the cash register, 
when they're marketing uh, via the internet on a Google or a Facebook or the open web, in their direct mail, in their email efforts, wherever they're marketing, however they're delivering messaging, to the extent that they can utilize the data that they have permission to use from consumers to deliver a better conversation, a better experience, or a better answer to consumers, well, that fosters greater consumer engagement and quite frankly, better results for the marketers themselves. Yeah, and I'm I'm curious, you know, why is the why is the mission for for LiveRamp so important? Um, you know, why were you so excited to join the team? Well, again, it it speaks to the fact that virtually every company on the planet is struggling with this concept of how to utilize their data effectively. And there really wasn't an easy way to do that. Everything was just so hard. And to me, data has always felt like a public good. Uh, Yes, it's owned by by the individuals, by consumers and and companies. Uh, However, there, there was lacking kind of a public good, a public infrastructure that everyone could utilize to communicate data with one another. I mean, think about uh, public roads, for instance. They exist for the good of everyone. Um, And by virtue of having a road that goes to my house and a road that goes to your house, well, we both benefit because we can travel to see one another. Well, that kind of infrastructure didn't exist in the data world. And so it was really hard, it was really clumsy for companies to ingest new data or utilize the data that they already owned at the places that matter. By creating this public infrastructure, and we, we're really adamant that we have to be neutral, uh, this exists for the good of anyone and everyone in the industry, agencies, publishers, software providers, by, by providing that as, as an infrastructure, a neutral infrastructure, then everyone benefits because everyone can connect with one another uh, and sources of data can be connected to uses of data uh, and ultimately businesses and consumers benefit. And, you know, coming from your previous role, um, you know, you were working within marketing services. Um, you were seeing a bunch of this stuff kind of play out in real time. I'm curious, like, what were some of those takeaways uh, that you got from from your role uh, before coming to uh, LiveRamp as CEO? Oh, gosh, great question. So before I came to LiveRamp, uh, and really LiveRamp's predecessor company, uh, I had been working at Microsoft. And prior to Microsoft, I, I was at a, a startup, a called Aquanib. It actually got to be fairly, fairly large by the time that Microsoft uh, uh, acquired us. But at Microsoft, I was managing all of their advertising businesses, Windows Live, MSN, Bing, doing the monetization. And it was so reliant on data. Whether we were advertising, where we wanted to use data to better reach our consumers, or whether we were monetizing our own content, like on Windows Live or or MSN, where we were selling ad space. In either instance, we wanted to utilize data, but it was so hard, it was so hard to do. And and every decision seemed to take weeks 
uh, if we were going to do a data analysis. Getting access to the right data involved torturous business negotiations, uh, privacy policy checks, transfer of data through through compact disks or even before that tapes. I mean, it was just very, very hard. And, and so out of that was born the idea of why isn't there a better way? Why doesn't someone create infrastructure to make this all easy? And at the time, do you remember like there were these old Staples ads, I think it was, where they talked about the easy button? Uh, I think it was Staples, either that was Office Depot. I remember the easy button of like, it yeah, should be Staples, easier right? to buy business supplies, right? I thought to myself, why isn't there an easy button for how data is utilized? Why isn't there equivalent of, of you know, the public road system or uh, the phone grid or what have you uh, that was accessible for anyone and everyone? Out of that is the seeds of the ideas that ultimately became LiveRamp after some acquisitions and, and some organic builds. Uh, but but I had lived the very problem that we were trying to solve. Gosh, that made me think of that easy button campaign. Well, I want to talk about a great marketing campaign. Holy moly. I mean, you think of how many products they probably sold just on that, uh, on the actual selling the easy buttons, um, let alone uh, let alone the marketing campaign around it. Yeah, you know, for, for years I had a big red easy button on my desk that, that someone gave me. Uh, and you just think like, how did an ad campaign like create a whole line of retail merchandise that, you know, we probably bought over like GeekNet or something like that. Uh, I, I mean, it's pretty crazy, pretty crazy. But I mean, that's one of the reasons why marketing is so amazing because we all remember great marketing uh, from when we were kids. I mean, Gravy Train or Kit Kat where the guy walks in and there's a lion in his living room. Uh, uh, the Energizer Bunny. I mean, those things get ingrained in our in our heads, and and that's why marketing's so much so fun because we're all consumers. We all uh, see advertising, and so to the extent that you can help companies reach consumers more effectively, it's actually a really fun job. Yeah, I uh, it it is the great part, and and what's great about data now is that you can test and confirm some of those hypotheses, right? It's not just sitting in the boardroom and saying, hey, this campaign's going to work because the, the CMO uh, says, well, actually, um, we've been testing this in the market, you know, split testing this for uh, the past six months. And this is the exact right message that is uh, that is working. Here's the data that proves it. Here's the anecdotal evidence of people responding and or tweeting about it or whatever it is. And uh, and can go back to the board and say, uh, you know, not not to say, well, um, not to say, I guess I was right, but uh, to say, hey, you know, we actually use uh, experimentation and, uh, and that approach to try to get to answers, not, you know, not just gut feelings. Ian, you're exactly right. And it really works uh, two ways. I mean, from a business perspective, it's about test and control and optimizing against what's going to work most effectively for your business results. But from a consumer perspective, I think we can all relate to how amazing it is when we have a great experience with companies that we love. We get a better offer, we 
join a loyalty program and get rewards. We get upgraded when we check into our favorite hotel. All of those things are possible through the application of data. Uh, and, and so ultimately, it's not just about selling stuff, it's about creating better experiences for people. And, and I'll tell you, one of the re really fun things that we have going on at LiveRamp right now is we're starting to branch beyond just advertising and marketing. So for instance, we have a, we have a healthcare business. Healthcare looks a lot like marketing. Data is really fragmented. And if consumers can access the, the data about them and activate it at the points that matter, it's not about getting a better offer, it's about helping them live longer. And so it's actually really fulfilling. Over time at LiveRamp, I mean, we started out in the marketing business, but ultimately everything we're doing is about data and that data efficacy has applications far beyond marketing. Uh, so, so it's really fun to think about where this ultimately can go and the value we can create for the world. Yeah. And, you know, we can build campaigns and uh, we can build things that engage people and, and allow them to feel trusted. You know, obviously trust is a huge part of uh, what you believe um, you know, live ramp, uh, as, as your ads even say, advertising built on trust, not cookies. Um, I'm curious. So what does, uh, what does advertising built on trust mean to you? Well, I, I, for one am so pleased at the regulation we've seen introduced both internationally with GDPR and then more recently in the U S CCPA is a great example of that. It's so important that we all recognize that marketing is built on a trusted relationship between businesses and their customers. That has to extend to data. And so consumers need to know what data has been collected about them and have control over how that data is utilized. And I believe as an ecosystem, when we all embrace those ideals, it's gonna foster faster innovation. Uh, data should not be the proprietary domain of just a few, uh, but rather uh, we believe in consumer transparency, the concept of interoperability, that uh, data should be able to be utilized at, at different destinations, and portability. Now, I, I look forward to a world where someday uh, consumers can control their data and decide where and when they want to have it utilized. Uh, and, and I think that's the intent of a lot of the regulations. I think it's, it's going to be really good for the industry as these things continue to progress. Yeah. So let's keep kind of going down that road. What, what does this mean? You know, if, if cookies go away, what does that mean? Um, like what, what is, uh, what is the future state? Do you, I mean, I know you can't predict anything like that, but, um, you know, we don't have the crystal balls we like to say, but, uh, but there's going to be massive impacts, um, as, as cookies and things like that change. Oh, sure. Ian, I, I got to tell you, I'm a crusty old guy. And so I was part of the conversations. I can remember when things like cookies were invented 
in, in the 1990s. And I will tell you, if you and I were standing in front of a whiteboard and trying to design the ideal uh, mechanism for the data and marketing industries, we wouldn't start with, with cookies. We wouldn't build something that is proprietary and, and can only be utilized effectively by a few select companies. We wouldn't design something that isn't consumer friendly. Rather, we would build something that was completely transparent, completely visible to consumers such that they knew what data was collected, they had control of it, over it, we would design something that promoted interoperability between buyers and sellers and users, uh, consumers of data. We would design something that was consistent and portable. And so all this to say is the, the third-party cookie deprecation well, we've all been using cookies for, for 25 years, so it's gonna change how we build websites, how we deliver marketing messages, how we measure results. But it, it's an opportunity to upgrade to something that's better. And, and so therein lies, I think, a big inflection point for the industry. And again, it really speaks to can we build something that's neutral, that the entire ecosystem can get behind that's consumer friendly? Well, we've, we've launched a technology at LiveRamp called the Authenticated Traffic Solution. Uh, it's part of what we call an authenticated ecosystem, a level playing field, uh, a neutral technology, a consumer friendly technology that works for anyone and everyone. Uh, it should generate significantly better yields for publishers uh, and be a mechanism for advertisers uh, to deliver better messaging and measure how that messaging was received with consumers. And it works better for consumers because they have more visibility and control. So yeah, cookies changes everything, but I think the death of cookies is an opportunity to move to something that's even better. Yeah, I like that. I mean, it's more about evolution than it is about, um, you know, something that that was powerful, uh, you know, extremely powerful um, that will just, you know, continue to evolve and change. We're in the technology world and it yeah, seems like totally. every year things are changing. I mean, Google didn't exist 20 years ago. Facebook was just getting going 10 years ago. Uh, can you remember the excitement of unpacking your first iPhone? And that was a decade ago. I mean, it, it's, it's crazy how fast things are moving. Yet cookies were the standard for 25 years. Uh, it's, it's time for something better. So I'm curious, um, you know, you've talked in the past about why it's been important to be neutral within the marketplace. Um, but this is kind of like a uh, potentially a tough strategy for for other folks to follow. You know, there's so many partnerships and alliances and different things, specifically like you know with channel channels and all that sort of stuff. You know, with APIs and different things, it's it's a different world now with all the 
types of integrations you can do in partnerships. But um, I'm curious, like, why was why was staying neutral the right path for you? Well, again, it, it speaks to the concept of the public good. Um, and, and so, again, I'll, I'll use the, the story of public roads. We all benefit from having roads that connect our houses to one another. Likewise, our industry benefits from having an open ecosystem where companies can communicate easily with one another and have a common set of standards, common interoperability. Well, it's really difficult to stand for those things and have a biased business, have, have uh, you know, something on the left hand that benefits from not being neutral over on the right hand. So from the get-go, we said, we're going to work with anyone and everyone. As long as you're ethical, as long as you agree uh, to a set of, of standards that are consumer-friendly, um, you abide by the law, then we're going to give you access to the technology that we've created. Uh, and in fact, at many times in our history, that's worked to our detriment. Because at LiveRamp, we license our technology even to companies that intend to compete with us. But by doing so, it allows everybody to benefit from, from what we've done. And, and so, you know, with the decision to become neutral means that you got to play by those rules. Uh, but we think there's huge advantages to this for the industry. Um, you know, number one, it levels the playing field such that um, innovation can happen more quickly uh, and companies can utilize data in, in even the smallest publishers, smallest content providers. You know, the, the world doesn't just revolve around the walled gardens. Nearly 60% of the content that we as consumers view every day occurs on the open web. Uh, and, and so it's so important that, you know, the small publishers, the, the local newspapers, um, they have the same access to technology that the, the really big companies have. Uh, so it fosters innovation and it also fosters operational standards. Uh, the fact that everybody can uh, plug into one another, can, can seamlessly connect uh, it's good for everyone, and, and it fosters better user experiences and better business results. So it, it's one of those things, again, classic public good. It is good for everyone uh, to embrace a set of common standards, and that's what we've been espousing to the industry. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I, you know, it's just, it's so interesting how um, how the kind of landscape evolved with the internet obviously it's a we could probably do multiple hours just on that but with how you know companies like yours became so critical to have those that type of infrastructure and um and uh, you know have that like uh neutral objectivity because um you know it's uh the internet is inherently neutral um although it, it doesn't always feel that way well i, I think that's uh, that's been a, a fuel for our success. The fact that we were neutral, everyone trusts us. We work with Google. We work with Amazon. We work with Facebook. We work with Walmart. 
Now, those companies don't always like one another, but they all trust us because they know that we're not utilizing anyone's information. They own their information. They control how it's utilized. We're just providing the infrastructure, the platform, such that they can work with one another. Uh, and importantly, they can work with one another and trust that their data is never going to be misappropriated, that uh, we are exactly what we say we are, which is, is neutral. We exist for the good of every company that works with us. Uh, and, and so, you know, our very neutrality is what allowed us to work with almost everybody in the industry. I'm curious about the, you know, data is obviously a very loaded term. It means a lot of different things. And there's, you know, the, the evolution of how data is uh, an identity and all these things is going to be, um, get exponentially crazier. But I'm curious, like, is there any um, kind of like things that you see marketers specifically do with data um, that is either problematic or like, you know, just not industry leading practices or just things that they need to improve on um, where people are kind of messing up uh, their, their data strategy? Sure. I see great examples and bad examples all the time. What I would tell you is the best marketers, the best content providers on the planet, always, always without exception, design around the customer experience. They think about how do they utilize data to deliver a better experience, a better offer, better content to their consumers. When they do that and it benefits the consumers, then the companies will win. Those that ignore the welfare of consumers do so at their own peril. Companies that try to take advantage of consumers, trick them, there's a very short shelf life for those companies. Uh, we won't work with them. Uh, and we think long-term, maybe they'll make a quick buck, but long-term, they won't be credible and they won't be successful. Specifically as it regards to kind of like integrated campaigns. Um, you know, this is now more than ever, you have these enormous multi-touch campaigns with um, so many different things that go into it. Uh, you have all sorts of, you know, digital and non-digital tools that marketers can have. It's mo more than more than ever. You have all the different ways that you communicate via email and automations and all of those things. Um, you know, it's a tough time to be a marketer. It's also a great opportunity to be a marketer because there's so much stuff. Um, but specifically with, with data, um, you're talking about the ability to create massive integrated campaigns that really get at all of the different things around shaping that customer experience from, you know, pre-sale through the sale, customer life cycle, all of that. I'm curious, are there any ways that you see people leveraging data for that, you know, holistic 
customer experience or any examples that you've seen? Um, and it, you know, I, you don't need to name names here, but or specific things that they've done for large scale integrated campaigns. Sure, Ian. I I reflected back on you know when I was a kid growing up in the 1970s. Uh, and it seemed like the world of marketing was so simple then. It's almost as if the mantra could have been a time and place for everything. If you wanted to reach consumers, well, if you wanted to do it in the evening, well, you'd buy ad space in the five o'clock news. If you wanted to do it in the morning, well, you'd buy ad space in the morning paper. Uh, if you wanted it during commute time, well, you'd, you'd buy drive-by radio. Now, it's so different. And it's so complicated. Uh, we are consuming information from so many places. If you think about, uh, it's still the case that at, at least half of the marketers that I've seen in the world, they are still optimizing their marketing efforts channel by channel. So they'll have an email team, they'll have a television team. But if you, if you, pause and think about that as consumers, that's not how we view a brand. We don't say, yeah, my, my view of this brand is predicated all on what I saw on television, or I only have an email relationship with this brand. We are the sum total as consumers of all the different touch points through which we're messaged. So the best marketers, and I will tell you, uh, they're the companies that you know, uh, the companies that are great at running entertainment and theme parks, uh, the companies that are the biggest banks on the planet, uh, the companies that are some of the biggest retailers. They have increasingly gotten very sophisticated around how do they tell a cohesive story across all of these touch points and how do they create serialized sequential messaging across all the various touch points, such that if I as a consumer see a television ad, it's consistent with the messaging that I might be getting from an email, which is consistent with the keyword copy that I see when I subsequently do a Google search, and it's consistent with the conversation that I have when I go in and visit a store. Consumers increasingly expect this, and it's particularly true of the brands that they have great relationships with. Uh, in those cases, I want the companies that, that I value most, that I'm closest to, to know if, for instance, uh, my favorite airline, I long for the, the day that the post-COVID that, that I can hop on an, an airplane again. But it is great when I go check in at United Airlines, which is my carrier of choice, that they know who I am, that they know whether I want an aisle or, or a window seat. I don't want the middle seat, uh, if, if at all possible, that they know that I'm six foot six. And, and you know, I really value extra leg room. And, and that is embedded in all the communications that they have with me. It's what I've come to expect as a consumer. Uh, and it's what we've all come to expect from our favorite brands. So the best brands, they recognize that. 
And they are increasingly trying to tie together all these touch points to deliver on that brand promise to consumers like me. Yeah, I, I love the adage that brand is, or customer experience is the new brand, right? Because it doesn't matter what you say anymore if the reality of your your service or product is not delivering on that, right? You know, it's, it's funny, and I, I sent an email to our entire worldwide staff this week, and it was... It was largely talking about a, a project that we had. It was called the Live Ramp Brand Book that talked about what we want to be, how we want to talk about our company. But the example I used was Starbucks of the 1990s, because that is a company that understands the concept of brand as well as any company in the world. And, and Howard Schultz at the time, he used to espouse the, the view of brand is everything. I think the best companies on the planet understand what that means. What Howard meant, though, was brand is the smell of the Starbucks store when you walk in, the merchandising on the shelves, the texture of the napkins, the quality of the coffee that you order, the way your barista greets you in the morning. All of those things together create your perception of Starbucks. Well, that same thing holds true of every major retailer, every major travel provider, every major financial services company. The brand that we perceive is a sum total of all of the interactions that they have with us. And so just as Howard Schultz was so neurotic in the 1990s about ensuring that all of those touch points are consistent when you go into the store, so too, every company on the planet should follow that lead and think about how do they ensure that all of their touch points are consistent, both within their stores and outside the stores. That every interaction that we have builds into something greater and tells a story about what this company is and why consumers should trust it and buy from them and develop a relationship with them. Brands are about relationships. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that's uh, and and I think that it's also about long term relationships and not not sacrificing for the short term. And I think that that's what a lot of marketers. I think you're seeing the best marketers now um, figuring out a way to market through the sale. Uh, that it's not about just you know filling the pipeline, convert you know close, and uh, and then on to the next. It's about creating things, uh, you know, helpful things for implementation, helpful things beyond just the purchase that it enhances that experience. You know, Ian, you you make me think of a story. Uh, it's probably five or six years ago, uh, and at the time, uh, I was I was at what LiveRamp's predecessor company, um, the original parent called Axiom, who was the CEO of Axiom, uh, we had launched a, a data portal where any consumer on the planet could come and see the information that had been collected about them. Um, it was our attempt to give radical transparency to the world around what had been kind of the opaque practice uh, of many data brokers. Once consumers came to the site and saw that the data uh, was pretty innocent, uh, it, it really demystified the whole concept of data-driven marketing. But what's interesting about the story is 
at every step when we were launching this, we, we had um, uh, buttons that you could click and give us feedback around what you didn't like about the site, what your suggestions were. By far and away, by far and away, the biggest write-in suggestion that we got was, where can I tell you more about myself because I want to have a better relationship with the brands I love. And, and they were always the brands that, you know, we all know. It was Apple. It was Nike. It was Sony. It was Disney. Consumers love those companies. And they wanted to share more information if they could with some of those companies. So they in turn could have better interactions and better experiences with those companies. So consumers, I mean, they want this, uh, but they want it on their terms. And again, it gets back to visibility and control. You gotta provide those things. Uh, you gotta give consumers choice. Um, and if you give it to them and you develop a relationship with them, then you'll have a customer for life. If you violate their trust, well, they'll never buy from you. And who can blame them? Okay, let's get into our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy, just like marketing with Salesforce. You can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more about marketing built on the world's number one CRM. Lightning round questions. Scott, are you ready? <laughs> of course, I don't think I've ever answered any 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 question in, in, in just a lightning answer. So beware. Who's your favorite wrestler of all time? You expect that I'm going to say Hulk Hogan uh, or, or Jesse the Body Ventura because I kind of look like him. Uh, however, I would tell you I grew up in Milwaukee watching The Crusher every Friday night. Uh, the Crusher was a, a Milwaukee icon. What is your favorite place to take your Airstream? Anywhere that's green and by the water. I just love being in the outdoors. What book or podcast have you read or listened to recently that you enjoyed? Sounds like you, you listened to a podcast where I might have talked about this. My goal for the year was to read every Louis L'Amour book. I am now at 200 and counting. When I agreed to do this, when I thought this would be a good effort, and I love these kind of quick read westerns that kind of appeals to the great outdoors. I figured there'd be like 50. Uh, I, I, I'm like 200. I'm not even halfway through yet. But uh, I love those things because they always have a hero, a villain, the outdoors, a strong sense of ethics. And, and it really, uh, uh, those things really appeal to me at a time when it seems like the rest of the world, uh, given COVID, is, is just unpredictable. What is your best advice for a first-time CEO? It's all about the team. And I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, violating the lightning round. Years ago, uh, when I was in grad school, I went to hear Warren Buffett speak. Someone raised their hand. They said, Warren, what company are you going to buy next? And he laughed and he said, well, I'm, I'm not going to tell you, but uh, I will tell you uh, what I look for. And above all, you got to look for an incredible team. And he challenged everybody in the auditorium. Hey, if you were down to your last dollar and you could invest it in one other person, who would it be? And I thought to myself, I'm like, yeah, 
I'd invested in, in one of my classmates, this guy, Rick Elias. Uh, Rick is charismatic, he's smart, uh, he, he's just, uh, uh, just an incredible business person. And, and, but I never forgot Warren Buffett's advice. And so in my professional career, I've always tried to align myself with really brilliant people uh, because a, together a team can accomplish amazing things. Amazing companies are always, always created by amazing teams. And years later, Rick was raising money for a company that he was starting called Red Ventures. And I, I put in like literally my life savings uh, five years out of grad school. Uh, actually took out a second mortgage, gave him $30,000. Uh, that has turned into the best investment of my life. Uh, and uh, tens of millions of dollars later, uh, uh, through Red Ventures, uh, the story Warren Buffett's advice has proven true, both in terms of investing, where my single best investment was in the best person I knew, and in my own career, where all of my success can be attributed to the fact that I have always surrounded myself with amazing people and they've accomplished amazing things. That's incredible. What a story. And uh, it looks like Rick has a, has a podcast too. We'll have to check it out. Have you interviewed him? He's great. He is, he is absolutely phenomenal. No, I haven't, but I just saw that, uh, that he has a podcast. So I'll have to check it out. So as an aside, uh, Rick is also super interesting. Do you remember that uh, flight that uh, crash landed in the Hudson River? Uh, by, yeah. by Sully was the pilot's name. Yeah, sure. Rick was on that flight and wow. he has a Ted talk where he talks about that experience as being life changing. And if anybody's listening to this, that is worth Googling. Just Google, you know, Rick Elias Ted talk, watch that, uh, and think about how you, would change your life and is uh, on the heels of a similar situation. Uh, it's, it's really inspirational. Last question. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? How can I start working with LiveRamp? <laughs> it's the question <laughs> that everybody should have, uh, but uh, not everybody in the world has asked yet. So if you're listening to this and, and uh, have that question, give me a call. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, everybody check out LiveRamp. Uh, you can just go to LiveRamp.com uh, to learn more. Well, Scott, thanks so much for coming on. This has been uh, really fun. We barely uh, scratched the surface, uh, but, uh, but that was really fun having you on the show. Ian, I really appreciate you having me on today. Uh, you are an incredible interviewer and I had a lot of fun today <laughs> as well. Appreciate it. Take care. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing.
you have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.